Again, this afternoon, we are studying what Scripture teaches uh, about the Ninth Commandment as summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 43 of the Heidelberg Catechism. So let's now read together uh, Lord's Day 43. What is required in the Ninth Commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn, or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit, as the devil's own works, under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation." As far as the reading of our confession. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we study the Ten Commandments, we might have a tendency to only look at them as a list of rules to be followed. And certainly, Commandments are God's rules for his people. However, there are more benefits to studying the law of God. God's law, his commandments, they tell us something important about God himself. Uh, We come to know something of God also by studying his law. You see, the Ten Commandments are more than just rules that God decided to put in place. Uh, rather, they are, they are a reflection of God's very character. They show us something of who he is. For example, in the sixth commandment, God commands us not to murder. This certainly tells us how we are to act as uh, people he's created. But it also tells us something important about God. He is the Lord of life. He loves life and wants life to flourish. He determines when to take away life, not us. The same is certainly true of the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. This commandment shows us how to act. We will focus on that as well this afternoon. However, by studying this commandment, we learn something important about God. We come to know that God is the God of truth. He loves the truth always. He speaks the truth at all times. And he calls us as the God of truth to do the same. So that brings us to the sermon theme. The God of truth calls us to love and speak the truth. We're going to see that God teaches us to, first of all, see how lying only promotes more sin Second, God teaches us to uh, count on him as the God of truth. And finally, God teaches us to love and speak the truth in our own lives. So first of all, God teaches us to see how lying only promotes a more sin. So at the beginning of this first point, I want you to imagine a world where it is impossible to break the ninth commandment. No one on earth is able to speak a lie. It's impossible to gossip, to slander, or to bear false witness. 
And how do you think the world would be affected if, if that were the case? Well, I can tell you one thing. There would be a lot less sin committed. And not just regarding the ninth commandment, but all sin. A world where it is impossible to break the ninth commandment would be so much better than the present world we are in. Think about how crime rates would change. They would be cut way down. People would not be able to lie and deceive in order to commit crimes. Scam artists would be eliminated completely. People would be a lot more scared to commit crimes. They would know that if they got questioned, they would not be able to hide behind a lie. Organized crime would be way down. The police could simply question everyone on the street about what they are up to, and they would know that everyone is speaking the truth. Criminals could be brought to justice so much easier. If no one could lie, cases of adultery would also be lowered for sure. People would know they would not be able to cover up their sin by lying. Think also about tax fraud and insurance fraud. They would be nearly eliminated, saving billions of dollars. If no one could lie, you could trust people in business uh, completely. You could know this person is not trying to pull a fast fast one on me. They're not trying to cheat me in any way. And how that would be so good for doing business. In fact, if no one could break the ninth commandment, you could trust everyone so much more. You would know that no one in your neighborhood would ever try to deceive you. You could be confident that no one was slandering your name behind your back. I asked my catechism students one time, how would high school be affected if if it was impossible to, to gossip? Well, undoubtedly, it would be a lot easier. He said there would be a lot less drama to to deal with, and that's certainly true. So I want you to see two main things from all of this. First of all, I want you to see that lying only promotes more sin. It's lying that allows other sins to flourish. And so much sin would be cut back in this world if it were impossible to lie. And it's been this way since the fall into sin. Now, Satan wanted to fill God's world with sin and destruction. So what did he do? He introduced a lie into the world. That's what made the first sin possible. You shall not surely die, he said to Eve. He blatantly uh, hid the truth, spoke a lie, and his lie allowed sin to flourish, to come into the world. So you you have to understand that a lying is what I call a companion sin. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean lying does not happen in isolation from other sins. Usually it's connected to another sin. For example, lying is done before a sin is committed to, to get away with that sin. We see this often when it comes to stealing. Our reading from Deuteronomy gave the example of false weights and measures. Uh, in the ancient world, a merchant might tell a customer he was getting, say, you know, five liters of grain. Um, meanwhile, he had a false measure de- measuring device that was actually less. 
In this way, he could gain more money for himself, and he would cheat his neighbors through a lie. On the other hand, lying is also done after a sin has been committed to cover up that sin. Right? Rather than confessing his or her sin, a person feels it's simply easy to just tell a lie to cover it up. And lying then becomes a way of escape to avoid a painful consequences or shame. Perhaps a person wants to save face. Perhaps they do not want to return stolen money or property. Lying also often comes with addictions. Usually someone caught up in, a, in an addiction is caught up in a web of lies. A person wants the addiction to continue but doesn't want others to know. And so the lying needs to continue in order for the addiction to continue. So, beloved, lying does not happen more often than not all on its own. Lies so often are spoken for the sake of other sins. And so I want to impress upon you this afternoon that if you do find yourself speaking lies in your life, in your day-to-day -day life, I want to point out that almost undoubtedly there is more sin there and if your conscience convicts you of lying, you have to ask yourself, well, why did I tell a lie? What other sin is connected to it? Am I about to commit another sin? Am I using dishonesty to cheat someone? Am I trying to cover up something I've done and don't want others to know? Am I trying to avoid the consequences of my actions? Am I maybe caught up in an addiction? We have to speak the truth to ourselves. If we find ourselves lying, why is that? So I want you to see that lying promotes other sins. But the second thing I want us to see from all of this is, is can you see why God hates lying and deceit? You know, God created such a beautiful world. And so much destruction happen, happens in this world through lying. God's beautiful world is being ravaged by falsehood. Uh, Satan sought to destroy God's world by introducing a lie. And this is why God says what he does in Deuteronomy 25. After prohibiting false weights and measures, the Lord says, All who do such things, who act dishonestly in this way, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Instead of falsehood and dishonesty, God loves the truth. And that brings us to our second point. Now, when we read Scripture, we see that the Lord God is completely contrary, uh, opposite to, to Satan. The Lord Jesus told us that when Satan lies, he speaks his native language. Uh, Satan loves to lie and to twist the truth to his own advantage. But the Lord God is the opposite. Hebrews 6 says, it is impossible for God to lie. It's in his very being to only speak the truth. Scripture proclaims this fact about God again and again. Listen to Isaiah 65, verse 16. God is the God of truth. 
simply says. Or Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Or David's words in 2 Samuel 7, Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. See, again and again and again, God speaks the truth. See, God has no imperfections, and so there's nothing within himself that he he wants to hide away. God has no shame, and so he feels no compulsion to cover himself in a cloak of lies. God's actions and motives are always pure, and so he has no desire to speak falsely about what he has done. God is also not tempted by evil, and nor can he be tempted by evil. And so he will never speak lies to prepare himself for a sin, because he does not sin. See, lying is used to cover up what is shameful, sinful, or destructive. But God in his being is entirely and perfectly good, and there's no wickedness in him. God desires to glorify himself and always work for his own glory which is actually the best thing for us as well. And that requires working for his own glory, speaking the truth about reality and about himself. And so it is impossible, impossible for God to lie. This is the way it is for all the members of the Trinity. God the Father has never spoken lies. We know he never will. This is how it was for Jesus Christ while he was on earth as well. He himself said in John 17, The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. That was our Lord Jesus Christ. No falsehood at all. This is the way it was, it is for the Holy Spirit. We read about that in the Gospel of John The Lord Jesus says in John 15, When the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Again, truth is an essential quality of the Holy Spirit. If he were to speak falsehood, he would speak contrary to his very nature. But he cannot deny himself. He will always speak the truth. In John 16, Christ goes on to say, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He was given to the apostles to guide them in all the truth. And he will continue to lead the church in the truth, the truth of God's word. And we can rejoice that this is our God. Because this is who God is, it makes God entirely, completely, 100% trustworthy. He is reliable and faithful in all that he does and says. He is sincere, he is sure, and dependable. You can count on God. You can trust him. You see, what what breeds distrust in human relationships? 
Isn't it especially when we are unsure that the other person is speaking the truth or not? But that can never happen with God. God will never deceive you. You can trust all his promises. They are true. They are sure, dependable. He will never lie to you about what he promises you. You will never wake up one day and find that God has changed his mind about his promises or found out, oh, they were, they were false. No. That will never happen. And all the promises of the gospel are trustworthy when God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's completely true. You can trust it no matter what. And when God says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You can believe it with all of your heart. And act on it. His promise. And when God says, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his promise. His purpose. You can know, you can trust that that promise will never fail despite anything you might go through in life. It is true. You can trust all of God's words. Trust what he says in scripture. See, every word in the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that means that okay, humans wrote down the words of the Bible, but they were so moved by the Holy Spirit that what they wrote was the very word of God. And so the authors of Scripture wrote down exactly what the Holy Spirit wanted them to write. The words of the Bible were inspired by the Spirit of truth. You can trust what the Bible has to say. God's word will not lead you astray. You can build your life upon it. And so you will be building your life upon the truth. The Lord Jesus himself says in John 17, as he prays to the Father, sanctify your people in the truth. Your word is truth. That brings us to our last point. So the, our God is the God of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit of truth, we confess from Scripture, is also given to every believer. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 13 teaches us, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So again, you who believe... You have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And he leads us to love the truth as God loves the truth. He's working in us to love the truth, to speak the truth as God himself speaks the truth. And what does it take to be changed by the Spirit into someone who loves and speaks the truth? Well, the most basic thing is is to repent of all falsehood and deceit. As the Catechism says, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own work under the penalty of God's heavy wrath. No, when you lie, confess that to God. That you have sinned, confess to him. No, lying is 
Actually, it's so easy to do, right? Our minds are incredibly nimble at coming up with lies that will, we think, will, will benefit us. A lie can be a very convenient thing, spoken so easily. But sincere repentance is designed to guard us against it. And what happens when you confess your sin to God and ask for forgiveness? So against the sin of lying. Well, it's, it leaves a stamp on your conscience. That's what sincere confession and repentance does. Leaves a stamp on your conscience, makes it harder to, to commit the same sin again. So sincere repentance is the first thing. But to be changed into people who love and speak the truth, what else should we do? Well, we need to cut out other sin from our life. As I said before, lying is a companion sin. It allows other sins to flourish. And when other sins are present in your life, the temptation to lie will also be there. So to cut out the temptation to lie and deceive, you need to cut out other sins. That's key. And the more you cut out other sin and simple desires, the more lying and deceit will disappear from your life. You have nothing to cover up, nothing to, to hide. Let's take the example of false weights and measures again that we read about in Deuteronomy. People using false weights and measures have more problems than simply deceiving their neighbor. They do not love their neighbor as themselves. Rather, discontent, greed, and the love of money is controlling them. And if people were to cut those things out of their life, discontent, greed, the love of money, the use of false weights and measures would disappear. It would go away. So would the temptation. Some time ago I watched uh, an episode or some episodes of a show, an older reality TV show called uh, Border Security. Border Security was a reality TV show that followed the work of border guards uh, in Canada the program shows real-life situations of people crossing the border. It's amazing how many people try to cross the border uh, or go through customs illegally. Perhaps they're trying to smuggle something into the country. Maybe they're trying to work in Canada illegally. Maybe they're carrying disallowed food. You name it. The thing about a border crossing is that it's like a truth check. Right? If a person has nothing to hide... They will not feel the need to lie to the border guard. But if a person is doing something illegal, more often than not, they will lie. Now, you might never cross the border, or if you do, you might not cross illegally. However, at many points in your life, you will face a similar a truth check. Well, perhaps someone asks a question about your actions. Maybe you need to give account to someone for what you've done or what you said. And then you face a truth check, much like what happens at the border. And if you have no sin, you will not feel the need to lie. So to cut out lying, you need to live in such a way that when those truth checks come, you have nothing to hide. Telling the truth will not be scary because your actions give no cause for shame or guilt. So we must pursue a blameless life. Now, that's the negative side about how to cut out lying and deceit from our lives. 
there's also a positive side. To grow in loving and speaking the truth, we must grow in working for the glory of God. That must be our focus. Remember Jesus' words in John 7, the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. The more we work for the glory of God in all things, the more we will love and speak the truth. The one who works for the glory of God will not lie because God is the God of truth. Lies will only distort the reality of who he is and and what he has created and how he wants us to live. But when we work for God's glory more and more, speaking the truth will become more natural for us. That's one of the positive sides. Working for the glory of God will help us to love and speak the truth. Finally, I will mention one more thing. God also wants us to live the truth. What do I mean by that? Well, God has created the world with a certain order in it. And in order for life to flourish, we must live according to the truth of reality as he has created it. See, if a person believes that life's purpose is to live for personal pleasure, that person has adopted a false perspective on life. And a destructive life is sure to follow. God instead calls us to live with a worldview shaped by the truth of his word. For example, if a person believes that life's purpose is instead to glorify God and and enjoy him forever, that person has adopted a true perspective on life. And a well-functioning life is sure to follow from that. And in that way, we will not only love the truth, we will not only speak the truth, but we will live according to the truth for God's glory. Amen.